and I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Welcome back to My Alchemical Bromance. This is Eric Arneson. I just want to start off by thanking everybody for sticking around. I know we've been on a bit of a hiatus. You haven't seen any new episodes um, in January or for a few weeks anyhow. And that's primarily, uh, that's for a couple of reasons. We went through a huge recording spurt last year and we recorded uh, half a dozen tons of episodes. And then I got a cold. You can probably hear it in my voice. And the side effect or the, the effect of that has been that we just haven't been recording as much lately. Because then I got another cold. But uh, this is a solo episode. I'm just going to kind of go through. Uh, so we're planning to start recording again soon. We're going to be recording a lot, uh, hopefully in February. We've got a brewery visit lined up this weekend that I think is going to be really interesting. I've got some guests that I've been talking to uh, about scheduling to get on the show. Uh, I don't want to make any promises or give away any surprises. I just want to tell you that things are going to get pretty cool, I hope. Empty promises. Okay, so tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, whatever time of day it is, uh, I'm going to talk about something really awesome. The Magician Longs to See. It's a Twin Peaks tarot deck. Uh, I came across this, I think, on Indiegogo, or perhaps it was, I think Matt actually pointed it out to me, but I can't, we came across it on Indiegogo and both sponsored it, I think, sometime. Um, in the summer or fall of 2016. So the artist who worked on it, a guy named Benjamin Mackey, ran into a lot of legal and scheduling problems with the guys who own Twin Peaks, which is, I don't know, HBO or whoever. And uh, and he's just an independent artist. And he basically just begged his supporters over and over like, hey, this is taking me forever. Please keep supporting me. Please keep supporting me. And so we just waited, waited and waited and waited. He'd send out an email every couple of months saying things like, this may never work, or I've made a lot of great progress and things look good. And then finally, a couple weeks ago, I think right around the beginning of January, Matt got a hold of me and said that he'd received his in the mail. So I've been sitting around and waiting, and a couple weeks later, mine finally showed up. And I got to tell you, this thing is a treat. I don't know if it's still available for sale but I will look and put something in the show notes to help you find it. But it has, first of all, it's really lovely quality. The backs of the cards are the uh, black and white zigzag floor, like the waiting room or Black Lodge has. And the cards themselves are just great. It's kind of done in the style of Pamela Coleman Smith, who, you know, the, who you're all familiar with from the Rider Waite deck. And it features all of your favorite characters from season one and two, as well as in the later cards. And some of the cards, you'll get some stuff sneaked in there from season three, including, I think, on the Wheel of Fortune. I think the Wheel of Fortune is featuring the ghost hobos and the little frog bug that might that may or may not be Judy. But there are some great cards. So, for instance, the fool is Andy, of course, and he's got a white marmot nipping at his heels. He's covered in post-it notes, etc., etc. The magician is Cooper in a red robe. You see that sort of repeated over and over again. The four suits are Bookhouse Swords, which is the the logo for the Bookhouse Boys, where you've got like the, the pine tree with sword in it. Coffee Cups, 
sycamore logs for wands, and poker chips. They're one-eyed jack poker chips for coins. And I really, I just got this the other day, so I've only looked through the cards a couple of times, and I haven't done any readings with it. So it's really hard to know how the characters are going to match up, if it's going to be a really traditional set of meanings, but I'm really looking forward to this. I'll I'll do a sample reading and include a picture in the show notes so you can kind of see some of the cards. I haven't even shuffled the deck yet. Oh yeah, the devil is Bob sitting on a stump with uh, the owl behind him. So the wing, there's Bob himself doesn't have wings, but the owl has wings behind him. And then um, it looks like Ronette and Laura chained at his feet with a bowl of Garmin Bosia. Awesome. So in the Major Arcana, probably the best Major Arcana and the one that makes the most sense, I think, just from a cursory look through, is the moon, which has a picture of Agent Cooper smashing his head into the mirror like at the end of season two with two mountains, you know, twin peaks. There's no crustacean and there's no golden road for your crustacean to follow, but there's a a ferret and an owl. It's it it just looks really cool. It's a great card. Judgment has a windmill and a chessboard. It looks pretty neat. And then past the world, you get two bonus cards. One of them is the writer. That's card twenty. It's a Trump twenty two. And then Trump twenty three is the director, which looks like a picture of Twin Peaks or uh, David Lynch. Each one of the pip cards, and this is a this is a really impressive thing about this deck too. Each of the pips has full custom artwork. Like, there is no wimping out in this deck. Everything is filled with symbolism and strangeness. And there are some really great vignettes just pulled straight out of the show. Uh, Some great sort of, like, background imagery and symbolism. If you're a fan of Twin Peaks, this is a deck that you will just get a huge kick out of. Possibly one of the best novelty decks I've seen in a while. All right, so... The Magician Longs to See, the Twin Peaks Tarot Deck. I encourage you to look for it and check it out. Okay, so I'm going to shuffle. I, I, I might cut the shuffling sound out, uh, depending on how it sounds. Hopefully I'll also cut all my coughing out. I know a lot of people don't um, shuffle tarot decks because they want to do something else, like they'll spread it out on a table to mix everything up. But to me, I was taught how to shuffle when I was a kid playing cards with my parents, and it's always just been something that I find really pleasant. And it's a great great way of randomizing the deck, and I feel like a well-randomized deck is a really good thing to have. Something else I also appreciate about this deck is that the background pattern is um, asymmetrical so you can tell which way is up because I do not like to read with reversals. I know that doesn't always sit well with a lot of people. A lot of people think reversals are super important but to me they just add uh, complications that aren't necessarily needed. Um, Primarily because the way that I read tarot cards is using a memory grid, um, using the art of memory, and um, every deck kind of fits into the grid pretty effortlessly. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that works with this. I know it's based on the Rider Waite uh, symbolism, but there's so much additional meaning packed into the cards uh, just because of associations you might have with the characters or associations you might have with scenes portrayed on the cards that I don't know if it's going to match up very well. This might just be an art deck. There might be nothing... Like, divination with this might just be friggin' weird and nonsensical. Okay, we're just going to do three random cards. You guys ready for this? I'll cut the deck. 
The first card, the Queen of Pentacles. This deck shows what I believe is Audrey Horn. Uh, the Pentacles are the poker chips, the one-eyed jack chips. So she has a one-eyed jack chip in her lap. She sits on a red bed with red drapery around her. Um, on the floor in front of her is a piece of cherry pie on a plate, um, a mask, and it looks like some ribbons. Oh, and there's a telephone receiver off the hook lying on the bed next to her. The next card is uh, the 11th Major Arcana, Justice, which has Sheriff Harry Truman holding a sword in one hand and scales in the other. And in the scales, on one side of the scales are two frosted donuts and on the other, a cup of coffee. He looks like he's in a stone circle and behind him is an array of trees. Interesting card. Not sure how to read that. Finally, the third card is the Page of Swords, which is Bobby. Bobby from like season one, season two, you know, with his flannel shirt tied around his waist and his black leather jacket and his long floppy hair. He's holding a sword with two hands. There are clouds in the sky behind him. It's not a it's not a bright, cheery sky. It's sort of dark and gray. At his feet, there's a pistol and a football. In the background, there's a forest and a hut. And I gotta say, looking at these, it's just like, I don't know how to read them. They're very hard to read. There's so much going on here. Like, Audrey Horn as a Queen of Pentacles so strange to me. I just don't know how to take that. She was so uncomfortably young in the, um, in the original series that it was hard to... Like, she always made me feel like... I mean, I guess I'm probably about the same age as, as she is but but it always felt like pedophilia you know like when she almost got together with uh agent cooper i think harry makes sense as justice uh i don't know that he was always such a well-balanced person in the first two seasons but he was effective and seemed to be uncorrupted i like that he's not blindfolded the 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 blindfolded justice symbolism always kind of bugs me and then, finally, Page of Swords. I mean, I guess that could kind of fit for Bobby. You know, Bobby wasn't necessarily a bad guy, but he was an effective guy, right? Like, he always took action. And that fits really well into the Page of Swords, because uh, pages are always the earth card among the um, among the face cards. And uh, because of that, so Bobby would be... Um, obsessed with material things and he always was he always wanted money or physical gratification or something of that nature and um, he always took action to get it and that action was kind of two-sided sometimes it would hurt people sometimes it would help people so I think that is a really really fitting card for him and I like that there yeah overall I'm not sure what this uh, symbolism would be but I will take a picture of this and include it in the show notes so you can see what the deck looks like because I think that a lot of you are really going to like this. Okay, and then finally, just so that we all remember what this show is actually about, I'm going to review a beer. We're going to have a good old-fashioned beer review. So, my beer tonight. Now, I know we've gone, I've gone this way many, many times. We've talked about Hopworks a lot, uh, partially because I, I live right next door to them, so this podcast is actually being recorded 
just like a block away from Hopworks, and I have a can of their Abominable Winter Ale. So for a long time, Hopworks had this beer on tap, the Deluxe Organic Ale, which was my absolute favorite. Classic American strong ale, hoppy, malty, boozy, like kind of kind of over the top in every direction, but in a way that ended up creating a lot of balance and deliciousness. And it was just sort of like sweet and hoppy in a way that you could really just sit back and enjoy. So they stopped making DOA. And the closest thing that they have to that uh, during the rest of the year is the Abominable Winter Ale, which is available right now, but will only be available probably through February. So you're going to want to go to Hopworks. If you live in Portland, go to Hopworks, get one of these. You will be happy, especially if you like hoppy Oregon beers. And it's available in 12-ounce cans. I guess you can't really hear it being poured, but man, I'm drinking it out of an abominable pint glass. The A-Bomb's a beautiful beer. It kind of has the appearance of like a a dark IPA. Not like a not like a Cascadian dark ale, but sort of like a rich IPA or maybe like an amber. The head is not white, but just kind of off-white with a hint of tan in there. And it smells like hops. It smells like hops and yeast and just sort of like a delicious... Yeah, it's, this is a good beer. When you drink A-Bomb, it's definitely hop forward. There's a ton of malt in there too. Like the malt kind of oozes in around the edges, really plays with the hops and gives it a very nice character. I, f- I personally find that the, the hops and malt in the Abominable um, do a really good job of hiding the alcohol. I believe it's 7.5%. Let me uh, let me check the can. I'm sure it's got all that info. Beer is a force for good. Okay. 70 IBUs, 7.3 ABV. So it's uh, it's a little boozy. It's 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 about as boozy as a strong IPA, and it's got a lot of characteristics in in common with an IPA, with a little bit more darkness and richness in the malt character. It's a great beer. I would encourage all of you to go try it. I think I'm probably going to sign off now. I promise you guys, there will be more episodes coming soon. So stay tuned, hopefully by the end of January, but definitely in February, you'll be hearing more from us with our 300 beers and 3,000 years of mystery. In the meantime, you can find us on the internet uh, uh, at myalchemicalbromance.com. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We've, we've got a great backlog of episodes for you to go listen to. You can also find me at arnamancy.com, where you'll find mention of other podcasts i've appeared on if you want to hear me talk about some super nerdy stuff and i would just say yahtzee clink my alchemical bromance is sponsored by miskatonic books miskatonic books is an online bookstore that focuses on rare limited edition and custom-made books of the highest quality They specialize in books on the occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, Hermeticism, and other topics of interest to you, our listeners. Check them out on the web at miskatonicbooks.com. I'm
Oh, 